Jewish Latin Princess, episode 171, Ask Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Happy Friday. It's Ask Yael time, one of my favorite times of the week. I am actually gearing up for the Bitachon Boost Retreat, which is this Sunday, just in a few days. Are you registered yet? Are you part of it? I definitely hope you are. And I can't wait to see you and everybody else on Sunday. The action, as you know, if you've registered, already began inside our private Facebook group, where we will be working on all the tools that we're gaining at the retreat over the course of the month. So very exciting. And if you didn't enroll yet, well, then head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. And like I said before, this event goes way beyond the inspiration into the implementation so that trust becomes our default state. It's an all day event with engaging hands on sessions throughout the day, including breath work, kosher meditation, visualization, and so much more. These are not lectures. Let's just say it's not they're not classes. They're meant to be hands-on engaging sessions. So you're going to be super engaged. And of course, if you're not there for a portion of it or some portions of it or whatever, there is going to be replays. But more importantly, you know, yes, you can jump in and out of Sunday sessions at your convenience. But I want to also encourage you to take the time for yourself. And more importantly, aside from the replays, I think what's really valuable is that, you know, because there's something like you can watch a replay on your own, but that might not cut it because if you weren't part of that that community joint part where we're working on things together but here we get to work on this together we get to handhold each other throughout the month give each other support hold each other accountable because yes we are committing to certain things that we're going to start doing and implementing right because it's all about the action we're also going to have raffles we're going to have chances to win the newly released book gate of trust and so Ladies, treat yourself to the boost of bitachon that you need, we all need to upgrade our finances, your finances, and well, you know what, your life. And I mean that. That's what this is, right? It's awesome. If you didn't grab your spot, grab it at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. So now before we go to the mailbag to tackle your questions, let's go into the iTunes section and pick our reviewer of the week. Yes, every Friday, I will be picking one reviewer of the week and she will get a chance to win a 20 minute call session with me where we could just chat about anything that's going on in your mind. And those are really, really fun. So leave a review on iTunes and we will pick one every Friday. Let's see, this week we have from someone who left this on Thursday, last Thursday, she wrote, let go and let God. Oh, I guess she was listening to the mini-sode, right? Oh, I want to hear how if you're liking those mini-sodes. So anyway, she, so she wrote, wow, just discovered Yael's podcast and I'm a fan. Just what I need to, needed to hear now. Can't wait for the retreat. Yay, you're coming to the re retreat. I'm so excited. Okay, so her name on iTunes, it's really strange, but it's Q-W-E-S-G-S-J-K. And I think there's 
and there's other letters right here. But anyway, um, <laughs> I guess you know who you are. So this person has a bunch of letters in her name. You send me an email or DM me on Instagram. And let me know that you were the bunch of lettered person, the sweet person who left the let go and let go review. And of course, that we are going to meet at the retreat. And so I will send you a link for us to get together. All right. So let's see what's in the mailbag for us. Number one, first, we have a question from Adina. This came via email and she says, Hi, Yael, heard your episode about tuition and we definitely need a longer episode. <laughs> yes, the cost of tuition, I really believe, is the number one challenge facing American Jews. I hear what you're saying about truly believing that it will work out and I do. Thank God that mindset has gotten me through a lot. Well, I do my effort, my ishtatlus, the foundation is always the knowledge that Hashem will make everything work out. Yes, and not just the knowledge, but living and breathing that, right? Living with that, living like that. And the other part is harder, making more money. Oof, yes, one of my favorite topics, and all my students know that we devote a lot of time to that in my program. My husband is in sales. He works for a company based out of state, um, as the local, the only local rep in our city. He makes a salary plus commissions and he has been with them for two years. And in that time, the sales in our city have increased such that the company went from making deliveries to our region once a month to twice a week. Okay, so that's great. So I've told him that he should ask for a raise. He knows that he should, but he's hesitant to do so. I feel this is definitely an area where our parnasa, our livelihood could grow and we need it. We just got our son's tuition bill with a reduction of $300. I almost laughed. How do I encourage or, um, yeah, how do I encourage or boost my husband to take, to make the ask and in an appropriate way? He said that when speaking to the people back in the, um, the state where the company is based, he mentioned a race passively, but I don't think that's the right way to do it. Maybe you could do a follow-up podcast about how to ask for a race. Sorry for the long email. Thanks again for your wisdom and inspiration. All right, so let's tackle this, Adina, negotiating and asking for a race, right? That's one of my favorite topics, actually. Listen, number one is everybody has to ask for races, okay? Nobody's going to hand you the pay raise. No one. When we talk about loose, when we talk about doing our work in the natural through natural means and, and, and by way of the natural order of things, this is natural means. We have to go through the discomfort of asking. So that's the first step to get into our heads that no matter how liked we are by our employer, he's not there to offer us races. Our responsibility is twofold. Number one, create value for the company that we work for and then ask for the race based on quantifiable evidence of value that we've created. Okay, so this is very important. So the first, the second thing that I have to say here is, you know, we have to make the appointment, make the appointment with your manager, make sure that you say that you would like to discuss compensation, you don't want to catch them off guard, that's just not nice. So you, you can be upfront, you can say what, what this meeting is going to be about so that they come prepared. Um, and of course, you're going to be prepared, right? So it shows that you're taking it seriously. This is not just something that we mention in passing on the hallway. This is something that we're going to sit and have a conversation about. And then make sure that you come with very clear ways in which you've added value on why you're asking for a raise. And if you were given metrics before when you were hired 
um, or at your last evaluation, well, you come with those, right? And you show the evidence and the data to support the reasons why you're due for a race, right? We don't want to use the cost of tuition, the cost of life, inflation, whatever, all those things in our negotiation. The, the, this is not a personal conversation. Our employer is not interested in our personal lives and why we need that money, okay? No one cares. You're there to discuss how much you enjoy working for that company, how much, you va- how much value you've created for them, And you're there to show that whatever metrics you were given to meet when you were hired, you've met and even exceeded. And if there are things you've taken on even beyond your role, then also, of course, to share that. It's all of it is just to support your ask, right? So that's all very important. And that's what we're going to do at that meeting. Now, I would encourage you also to do your due diligence and check what others in the company are making. You can also check with HR. Usually they will give you the range for of compensation for your job title, right? That is um, readily available. And uh, also the range for the position above you, right? Um, so all companies have a range and you should ask for that. You should also find out what other comp- comparable companies are paying. Um, that way you can have a number that you're coming to the table with. And there are websites where you can find that. And you could talk, you should talk to colleagues. There's nothing wrong with asking your colleagues and tell them, hey, I'm about to, you know, I've been here for a year, I'm about to start negotiating a race. Can I ask you, what's your salary range? Or, um, you know, you can even say, do you think that, that I'm what I'm being compensated is in accordance to the way it should be for my position? I mean, there's certain things that you could, I was reading, oh, I should I should find where I read something about this and, and put the link in the show notes. But anyways, those are the types of conversations that you should be having. Um, and, you know, because you want to have an idea before you go into this discussion, you're coming with a number already to the table, you know, you're coming to the table with a number, like based on the industry standard of someone with my experience um, and based on the results that I've brought to the company, I'd like to ask for a compensation of XYZ, right? Or an increase in salary of XYZ. And then really, really important when you're having a negotiate negotiation is to then be quiet. You don't need to keep talking. You can be quiet that, and that's fine. Um, in fact, you should be quiet and continue to be quiet until the other person speaks. Um, no need to keep talking. And also remember that they're going to have to get back to you. It's not necessarily going to be a, you know, they're going to give you a response right away. They're probably going to tell you, okay, um, you know, let me take this up to, you know, my manager, right? Because there's somebody above who needs to approve this and, and they'll get back to you. And the answer doesn't, you know, doesn't come that day. The manager will have to get back to you, talk to his manager, blah, 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 and come back to you with an offer. And so the back and forth might start then. Um, and there might be a back and forth about the structure of that compensation, right? They might push back and want to give it to you in commissions or in bonuses, and you might want it to be in your base salary, or, you know, you might decide that you'd be willing to have it be split between base and base salary and commissions. So have all those scenarios ready in your head and see what's the, you know, when they come back to you, then you obviously you could take your time to, to, to discuss it, you know, to negotiate and talk about it and structure it in a different way if you need to. But, you know, be prepared to um, work out 
different scenarios and find what's your ideal and where you could still get creative and be comfortable so that you can then have those discussions with your manager. And finally, one important thing to note here is that in the event that you don't get the race, right? Uh, Nothing, you know, for whatever reason, which, you know, probably if you're prepared, it shouldn't happen. Um, Be, make sure that you finish that process and you finish your meetings asking for concrete, clear metrics that are needed for you to be in that salary range that you want, okay? Or for that position that you're aiming for. And you tell them, could we sit down? And first of all, what are, I understand then what you're looking for. And I, can we sit down and discuss in six months, for example, can we sit and sit down in six months and discuss how I've done in the achieve, in achieving these metrics for the company? I understand that these are the things, what would, what do you need me to, what, what performance metrics do I need to meet in order to be at this salary range, like literally like that. And then ask them, can we sit down in six months and we will talk this over again? I would like for you to, for me to show you how I've done and for us to discuss again um, my future in the company. So, because you want to make sure that um, that they get that you're there to achieve the company's goals and that you're tracking it, you're being serious and you're committing um and you're committed to this, um, then they see that you're serious, you're serious about measuring and quantifying your progress. And then of course, and you're doing it because you want to be able to um, get that, um, that salary, right. And, um, you know, the last thing that I'll say to this is that obviously, you can get another offer. That's always a really nice thing to have on your back pocket. But you know, as we know, but I think with the above things are always anyway important to do, regardless of whether you have a an offer in your back up um, pocket as a negotiation strategy. All right, so that's all about negotiating in and of itself. And by the way, I should add that I have a female student in my membership, in my Spanish membership. She just got a fifty percent raise, fifty percent. This is insane. And really, all she needed to do was ask. <clears throat> she just had the courage to ask and sit down and talk to them. And that's the hardest part. And um, when we done it, when we when we do it, we realize that it wasn't as hard as we made it out to be in our heads, right? And we'll get better at it. And the same thing, the same thing is going to be for your husband. After he's done it, <coughs> he'll, sorry, he'll realize that it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Um, and that he is, you know, he became stronger from it. And he'll over I mean, he's in sales. Come on, this should be a walk in the park for him. I mean, that, this is what he does for a living. And but nobody is going to think the less of him or take his job away from him for asking for a race. This is standard is expected. It's not rare. Okay, so we got to get this out of our heads. This is the way again, nobody's going to think this is weird. It's not weird. This is what needs to be done. Okay. Um, so that's that. But now getting back to your husband, because really, you were asking me, okay, how do you convince him of all this? Well, you know, here, <laughs> I've told you this. Now you have to use your added measure of understanding that was divinely given to you as a woman to help him get the confidence that he needs to do it because that's really what he needs. I think all the tactical stuff he probably knows and perhaps you could somehow kind of like review it with him. 
but really he just needs the confidence. He needs you to think that he's a superstar and he's your hero and that you're not coming at this from a place of, oh, you don't provide enough. You really, you should be asking for more. Um, but you're coming at it from a place that you're so awesome. Ask for the race. I'm totally behind you. This is going to be awesome for you. And by the way, like whatever happens, it's all good. I, I am not worried at all. You can do this. And, and then you could and give him the tips so that he, you know, just remember these things. But you have to be careful how you do it because, you know, men don't obviously sometimes they don't like taking advice so much. So you have to, you know, find a way to do it. But most, most, most important here is to remind him to remember that he's not depending on the manager at the other side of the table. He's just doing what's normal and expected of him from God, right? He has to actually show up to that meeting, ask for that meeting, show up and do it. But he's not, his, the results are not depending on the manager and that really he's just doing what God wants him to do, which is the uncomfortable, scary part of being in the world, right? Um, and that he should keep that front and center. I'm talking to God's agent. He has no power. I'm just doing what God expects of me. The result is not in this manager's hands. I trust that the money that I want is going to come to me no matter what, no matter what. But this happens to be the thing that God wants me to do right now with my circumstances and the natural order to, of things. Now, God could not give it to you in that way, but I still have to go through that process right? And as, and as I'm trusting God through that process, then the floodgates open and I could get that through that agent, that manager, or somewhat for, through another means that God only knows and decides, okay? So this is how we approach this and make sure that your husband is super clear about this. Um, obviously, that comes from you being clear on it and you speaking in this way, you know, um, and inspiring that confidence that you yourself have, Um <clears throat> In, in him, right? So it's all about that. It's more about that confidence. And of course, all those little negotiating strategies and, and tips that I gave you before. Um, so good luck with that. And really keep us posted. I hope we hear good news. Um, and everybody else take notes because these are important for anybody to have. All right. We have Sterna on Instagram who asks, what is more important to feel beautiful or to have money put aside for the future as women? All right, Sterny, great Sterna, sorry, great question. Um, I think I think they're not mutually exclusive. Feeling beautiful, which you know, meaning I guess what you mean is spending on 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 things that make you feel be beautiful, right? Um and putting money or allocating money for your future. They're not mutually exclusive. However, I will say that I think the past few years, we've seen a trend towards, you know, self-care, which obviously is super important. Um, but, and, and let, what I'm about to say, less now, less now because of the pandemic, really self-care has taken another dimension. But for many years, for a while, it seemed, the whole self-care narrative seemed to suggest that you know, it involved high ticket items and like spa days and massages and exercise classes and things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that often implied a price tag. I'm, I'm losing my voice. This is terrible because I'm hosting a podcast, right? I think the pandemic has shown us that a lot can be done in the realm of self-care that doesn't have to cost a lot, right? That connecting with other humans, going out for a friend, for a walk with a friend, and you know, going out in nature—all these things, bike, a bike ride—all these things we can do, and they don't have to cost a lot. But regardless, regardless, I just want to say, 
I'm all for spa days and massages. Please use your money with intentionality in the way you like. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the part of the narrative that I want to make sure that we're not leaving out because it is often left out. And that is that taking care of your money is also self-care. So it's important that you understand, Sterna, that just as you will pull out money for the massage, you need to pull out money for your future. They're not mutually exclusive. They're both important. And you've, if you're only spending on the now and not putting anything away to meet your goals and dreams, then I encourage you to take a more balanced approach and make sure that the investments or the allocations that you're making on that self-care and, and self-care allow for you to also invest in the future. So you have to work within a certain certain parameters or certain budget, right? That might mean that you might have to adjust the ticket price of what self-care and the more traditional sense of the word means, right? Um, you might, if you want to save for your future and take care of yourself, self-care might not look like a spa day in the most expensive place in town. It might look like a daily bike ride, right? Or it might, or if we don't have a bike, it might look more like a daily walk or, you know, a weekly trip to the library. I don't know, but you know what I mean, right? So you, you want to balance those things out, Um because taking care of your money is also self-care. So please be sure to do both. Now you did ask, I went on a self-care tangent and you did ask specifically about feeling beautiful. And I went on the general self-care category, but the same thing applies here um, in terms of you have to balance it out. You have to work with what works within your budget. And if there are things that will make you feel beautiful, purchases that will make you feel beautiful that you can't afford right now because you're also putting money aside for other goals or for the future, for your future, and let's say in investments, right, or long-term savings, then open a savings account for that goal. Say a spa trip or a, a wig or an expensive clothing item, right? You can work towards those things. We're so used to the immediate gratification and the, you know, especially the paying with credit cards that we forget the tremendous en enjoyment and pleasure that we get when we when we buy for something that we've waited for, that we've worked towards, that we've saved for, right? When we buy that beautiful purse or that wig, or that one, we pay for that wonderful vacation with our own money. And psychologically, it does something really, really powerful for that for us. And there's tons of studies done on this. And, you know, you definitely, you don't get the same positive emotional effect when you just buy the thing right away with a credit card. But not only do you, do you not get the same joy, but it's even worse because the negative feelings that come after the purchase. So not only does the joy minimal compared to the joy you would get if you didn't, um, if you actually worked for it um, and, and delayed the gratification, but the negative feelings that come after the purchase um, with a credit card are quite detrimental because now that experience or that item is is filled with those feelings of stress and how will I pay for this and I'm and I haven't saved enough for my future and all that stuff so please again they're not mutually exclusive just decide what it is that you need to feel beautiful and can some of those things be done within your budget a budget that also includes saving or investing for your future and can some of those things be achieved by creating a savings plan right so think about think about buckets, you know, think about your accounts like this, like three buckets, there's the happiness account, 
There's the peace of mind account, and then there's the future self account. And so happiness account is all the sub accounts that have to do with that purse that you want to buy for yourself that brings you joy or that that wig or that vacation or, you know, those things, right? The peace of mind account are those, you know, I also like calling it the opportunity fund. Many, many people call it the emergency fund. I don't like using that term, but it's that um, <clears throat> the opportunity fund or the peace of mind account is that which gives you flexibility, right? If you wanted to start your own business, if you wanted to leave your job, um, if you if something happened to your piping in your house, you know, that's what that account is for. You know, it should be liquid money that you have saved up. There's all sorts of measurements, you know, that people say three to six months of expenses. I think it's very personal for some people. They need a whole year's worth of expenses. It depends. I'm not going to get into that right now. But then there's a future self account. And that's I want to have for my future, meaning I want to make sure that at some point my money is growing and working for me and that so that I can pull from that money. And if I wanted to reduce my work hours or my husband's work hours and engage in other opportunities, right, that may may not be as profitable, I could still do that and maintain my standard of living, right? I don't have to, my grown children won't have to be taken care of me. So that's a future self. So when, you, when we start thinking like that, then there's money that gets put into all those things, right? So please, please, balanced approach, figure out what you want to do for your beauty. How do, What does that mean in terms of expenses? And work with what you have and do work towards having those needs met while you're still meeting um, the needs of taking care of your future. All right. I hope that was helpful. That was a long explanation, but I hope it helped. All right. We have Anonymous. Anonymous says, I just heard you speak about financial infidelity. And so my question is, if I lie in order to give tzedakah charity, is that wrong? Okay. So this is an interesting question. Aside from the fact that we can't do a transgression to do a mitzvah, right? It's like the typical scenario, right? You can't steal a lulavanestrog to the mitzvah of lulavanestrog, right? So <clears throat> aside from that fact, the question I have here for you, Anonymous, and I want what I want you to think about is about the following. Um, where Where is the need to lie coming from, right? Why, why the lying? Why can't a conversation, I'm assuming that you mentioned financial infidelity. I'm assuming that you're saying you're lying to your husband in order to give a tzedakah that I'm assuming he wouldn't agree with or, you know, he wouldn't want you to use that money for tzedakah, right? So why can't a conversation be had about where you want your charitable dollars to go, right? This is really the bigger problem. Why are we hiding this from our spouse? So that's really what needs to be worked on anonymous. Um, so obviously, number one, no, don't lie. Um, and I'll add a another nuanced aspect to your question. And that is that a wife is not allowed to tithe, we're talking specifically about tithing or giving charity in this case, um, from the money that her husband gives you. So I don't know if you know, I'm, I'm assuming from what she said, we don't have many details, but I'm assuming that perhaps is one of those scenarios where he's giving you money for, you know, your household expenses and your, you know, whatever else you want to do, whatever you guys have decided, I'm not sure. And you want to take money and give tzedakah from it. And so the answer is really, unless he's agreed to that, you really, you're really not allowed. It's really because that that tithing should have been done um, 
before. It should have done it. Let, let's say that this is his income. Um, he, you together should have decided and should have been involved in tithing that money. And then whatever else you're using for your household expenses or whatever else, you know, that that's what you use it for. So you can't just like do, you just can't just take the, he can't give you money for something and then you use it for, for, for tithing. Now, this gets a little complicated because if it's your money that you generate from your business or, you know, or even as an employee income, then you can, of course, tithe it. And, and hopefully, hopefully jointly, hopefully you and your spouse agree on where that money will go. But just to be clear, again, we're not really allowed to take money from our husbands that, that our husbands give that that it's their money officially, right, that they give us unless we have the explicit agreement from our husbands, because again, it has to become like our money and the decision has to be made that yes, we can either give tzedakah above and beyond the miser that he's given, or we can't just decide, well, he, since he's not giving miser, I will give miser and that will take place in lieu of the miser. That's not really how it works. Okay. So this is all a very complex way of saying just please, please. The problem here is that not the problem, the ideal here is for us to try to get to a place in the relationship where we've discussed the sources of income and how the tithe of that income is going to be allocated so that even before your husband gives you anything, if that's the arrangement you have, then that income has been tithed and you've been an active participant on the decision making as to where those funds should go. So Anonymous, I wish you lots of success working on your relationship so that you don't have to lie about your charity, whether it be your husband's money or whether it be your own money. And again, maybe it is your own money and and we didn't discuss this, but if it is, then why is it that you don't want him to know where you're contributing to, you know? Um, you, you might have more freedom there to do that because it's your money in this case if, if you're keeping things separate like that. But again, you know, it's not ideal. It's best that you're both aware of where your hearts, you know, um, what moves your hearts, like what moves both of you and, and, and you could grow together and love and appreciate your charitable causes that both of you, you know, would love to support. And it's, you know, they don't have to be the same, but at least understand each other and support each other and your efforts to help in those causes that move you right so much success with that definitely don't lie and if you want I think it would be helpful actually you can download my money date guide on jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash money date and that'll help you you know perhaps begin to navigate those difficult financial conversations with your spouse Um, but I would say also I've talked a lot about it on the show here but also Inside my private Facebook group, Jewish Money Matters, we've talked a lot about money dates and navigating conversations. So perhaps join the group on Facebook. It's a private Facebook group and you could do a search in there um, for money date or money conversations or you could just tag me and ask me and I will tag you on all the videos where I've talked about this a little bit more extensively. So head over to Facebook and uh, look up the private group Jewish Money Matters and ask to be admitted in there and I will definitely um, then tag you on that material. All right, so that's a wrap, ladies. And I will be with you on Sunday, I am sure, at the Bitachon Boost Retreat. And inside that Facebook group community, which we have already started and we're engaging in the conversation there, right after you sign up, you'll be welcome in there and we'll begin to talk. And so where do you do that? You do that at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat. Stay tuned for Monday because we might, we just might have the first male guest on this show. Have a Shabbat Shalom, ladies and be sure to light Shabbat candles before the candle lighting time in your city. Shabbat Shalom and see you on Sunday at the Bitachon Boost Retreat. 
Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.